0: One of the first things that I usually say to other practitioners who are interested in what stems and branches is, or what we teach as stems and branches, is that it's a little bit like where the five elements and the six chi system came from. It's things that you take for granted, but you don't really realise where they come from. So it's kind of useful to say, okay, what's behind what we've been taught.
1: Welcome to Acupuncture West London, the podcast. This is the podcast for students, practitioners and enthusiasts of classical Chinese philosophy, Chinese medicine and acupuncture. I'm your host, Ben Carrigan, coming to your ears all the way from London. So join me as we dive deep down the rabbit hole of Chinese philosophy and into the very concepts that inform our practice, each episode focusing on a specific topic and its application within a clinical setting. This episode is brought to you courtesy of our brand new ebook, Yin and Yang. What are yin and yang? What are the laws of yin and yang? And how are they used as defining principles for our very existence? To answer these questions and more, download your free copy at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free ebook. So in our very first episode on yin and yang, we discussed the Tao, the universal spark, how it gives rise to the concepts of yin and yang, and how we can move from levels of the unmanifest towards the manifest within Chinese philosophy—a journey that's profoundly rooted in Chinese numerology. Today, we're going to try and take it a step further. To help me do this, I recently spoke with Deborah Wolfe. Deborah has been in practice and teaching since 2000. She has studied with scholars such as Elizabeth Roschad de la Valle, Johann Devine, Peter Van Kervel, Dr. Edward Neal. Suzanne Rabidou, Peter Firebrace, and many more. Deborah is particularly interested in classical Chinese and the classical Chinese medicine texts, with a special focus on Wu Yun Liu Qi stems and branches. She has been a lecturer at ICOM in the UK for over 20 years, teaching Chinese medicine and philosophy clinic and pulses. She has also taught many CPD courses on topics as varied as Chinese medicine and the chakras, intro to stems and branches, and Chinese characters for the Zhang Fu. Without further ado, let's get stuck in. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Oh, hi, Ben. Thank you for inviting me.
1: So I'm really delighted to have you here because the first episode I did a couple of weeks back, I spoke about yin and yang and I touched on numerology, um, you know, obviously uh, the number one and the Tao, which we can't really speak about. And then number two, yin and yang, duality, the balance of two opposing forces, et cetera. And I worked my way down through three until five. I left out six, which is probably some sort of cardinal sin, for the <laughs> of it, but, uh, but I did. Um, so with that in mind, I wanted to see if we could touch on yin and yang a little bit and maybe discuss numerology and go down from one to six if we can, and maybe touch on stems and branches a little bit and how that fits in as the mother of five element acupuncture. Okay. So I sent you some questions during the week. The first question I asked you was, obviously, we can't talk about the number one being the Tao, but I mentioned the number two and I mentioned yin and yang as static concepts. Mm. And then I mentioned the number three as yang, qi and yin. So I talked about the number three being the first level where yang and yin have a relationship facilitated through the movement of qi. Um, and it's through that relationship that four, five, and six and onwards can manifest. But I don't think you sort of resonated with that. So can you say exactly why?
0: Yeah, I mean, I had a problem with the idea of um, of yin and yang being static concepts for a start. Because um, well, they're not, are they? They're, it's 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 always to do with movement and change and transformation. And in fact, the way that they de- define the you know the 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 cosmological um, beginning of the of the universe is about you know the the clear chi rises and the turbid chi descends, and you know the clear becomes the heavens and the turbid becomes the earth. So they're already made out of substances that are in constant um, change and transformation and are separating sort of naturally from one, you know, one end to the other you know and whenever you talk about yin or yang actually i think it's a real problem to talk about it as being um sort of just one thing one one separate entity that's why we have the taiji too the you know the two fishes picture or whatever you want to call it with the yin and yang and you know, a sort of interlinked is that they're always in constant interconnected reaction or action if you want so two and three are actually the same thing. You can't really talk about just one, just just yin, just yang, without immediately talking about um, the way that they interact and the way they interact, we call chi. Or you could say that the way they interact, we call humans, because you've got heaven, you've got earth, and then the interaction is humans. Do you see what I mean?
1: I do, yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, if we're talking about something like the Tao or if we want to talk in Western terms like the Big Bang, there is going to be movement involved. But I think I just thought in terms of creating a narrative where you're you're looking at a narrative for an expansion or a progression within the number one, I guess, wouldn't that be right?
0: But again, you know, it's not, it's not an expansion though, is it? It's an expansion and a contraction. You know, even when you talk about the Big Bang, that's two and two is immediately three.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: do, do you see what I mean?
1: Absolutely. I think this is the thing where I've tried very hard to, you know, put rings around things. Um, but I guess for me, when I think of three and I think of Qi facilitating the relationship between the two and that movement, when we talk about the macrocosm and the microcosm, you see that kind of relationship between Yang, Qi and Yin or heaven, man and earth um, or Shen, Qi and Jing or fire, earth and water. You see those down through the various levels. Uh, mm. I guess that's where I've made those connections.
0: Yeah. Um, and I and I know that it's, you know, we try and conceptualize if, mm. You know that's why you know you said you said just now. Well, we can't talk about one. You know the Tao, whatever. You know the Tao that can't be named, and all that kind of stuff. And. Well, you, you can't, but you sort of have to in some way, yeah. you know, you know, even when you talk about one, you have to talk about the oneness that is the one, if you see what I mean. So already you're kind of talking about one, but you're not talking about one. You're talking about a totality. And then within that totality, there is separation and it's not necessarily movement, but transformation. And that transformation allows there to be, you know, some stuff that is clearer yang, and some stuff that is turbid, dense, yin, or heaven, or earth, and then immediately You know, they're they're not separate entities. They're always constantly um, relating to each other. Just like in the I Ching, you have the first hexagram is qian, which is heaven, or the initiative, the initiator. And then the second one is earth, kun, which is the receiving or the responding. Do you see what I mean? You know, already the way they describe them is talking about two things that are constantly in interaction. And that's why we can never say that something is too yang, only yang or only yin. We always have to say, you know, it's part of a sort of a constant continuum, if you want, a constant interaction.
1: Of course, yeah. Um, w- one thing I mentioned in the first episode, I was paraphrasing something that Elizabeth Rocha de la Valle wrote, which was, in Western culture and mathematics, although one and one make two, and the character for two looks akin to writing one twice, the character for two, two strokes on top of one another, does not in any way symbolize two times one. One is representative of everything and can absolutely not be doubled or duplicated. The two strokes representing the number two should therefore be considered symbolically as the opening of the one, as distinction within unity. The two strokes represent a necessary parting, but do not break the common belonging of the two elements. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really resonated with that. That
0: makes total sense.
1: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because it's easy to think of, one like a pyramid everything kind of expanding outwards from one you know where you you have one at the top and it comes outwards because that's kind of the way we think of it in western thought you know one is like the smallest number whereas actually one when we talk about is the the greatest number
0: yeah it's like the um the universal void out of which everything can come
1: yeah not a void
0: emptiness but a void that is full you know that can make everything come out. I love that. I love the way that um, Dr. Ed Neal talks about it because he always talks everything about being breath cycles. So, you know, inherently the moment that you talk about qi, um, you're always talking about the idea of a, a, a breath cycle. So it's kind of like, you know, expansion and contraction, one whole breath cycle. And so that encompasses the yin aspect and the yang aspect, but it's also talking about qi movement transformation.
1: Yeah, and I, I love using those words, expansion and contraction, because then we're really talking about the universe, aren't we? Mm. I guess, obviously, one thing we all have to think about, which is something you mentioned in your geological interview, about how, you know, we, we're, we're always dealing with translations. You know, I think there's the Vietnamese and French to English, isn't that right? Yeah. And so we, we have to be careful with the words we use, because it can be so easy with philosophical concepts to grab onto words that we have in English, which don't necessarily mean the same thing or have the same context at all.
0: Yeah absolutely and if you look at the whole idea about chi you know you'll notice that nowadays people don't translate it they just put chi because you know there've been so many discussions about how to translate it it's ridiculous you know I it's know. definitely not just energy let's put it that way
1: it's so funny cuz <laughs> as a young practitioner myself i uh i often get asked in clinic you know what is yang and yin and what's chi and part of me cringes because uh-huh. you end up going down this rabbit hole of trying to explain and then you, you hear yourself mention the word heaven and and you go oh god why did i say that you know yeah and people kind of glaze over and go Oh christ what? And, you, and you and you don't think they're going to come back and they do come back which is great but um
0: surprising yeah <laughs> you know, it really surprises
1: me every time you know
0: me too or i'm rabbiting on about the seasons or something and i'm just looking at them going oh my god why did i start this there's got to be know. a better way of doing it because <laughs> there's, there's no
1: there's no end to it is there because you, you can't yeah. kind of once you've opened pandora's box it's just yeah it's just, yeah
0: And, you know, I think, you know, again, it's like talking about um, problems in translation is that, you know, the the character Tien, which is translated as heaven. I Mm. mean, it means sky. It means means the weather. It means heaven. It means um, the ancestors. It's got so many different meanings. Do you know what Mm. I mean? And then we sort of shorthand it and say heaven. And then in our culture, of course, heaven has got all those connotations that are not the same connotations that it has, that the Chinese character has in classical Chinese. So we're shooting ourselves in the foot all the time, as far as I'm concerned.
1: And actually from our context as well, if we talk about earth, it has the same sort of thing because there isn't a two is earth, which is soil.
0: Well, yeah, Earth is, is already two different characters in itself. And then we're yeah. always shooting ourselves in a the foot there. I mean, this is, a you know, one of those things I've got a real bee in my bonnet about when I'm teaching. Sure. You know, even like last weekend when I was teaching the sangfu Fu Chinese character thing, you know, I was talking about the fact that you've got these two different characters and one is heaven as opposed to earth, heaven and earth, which is that duality, you know, two that isn't really two. It's like the mm. oneness that is divided into these two different parts sort of thing that are in constant interaction. And then there's the other character, which is to do with um, what we call the five phases or the five elements. And that one's at a completely different level. It's at the level of five. It's not at the level of the duality, heaven and earth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's so confusing because in the first episode on yin and yang, I was trying to talk a little bit about heaven, man and earth. And then actually, do you know, I can't even remember. I'm getting confused even talking about it now. So um, (laughs) therein lies the problem.
0: (laughs) Well, also, I mean, it is difficult, you know, even when you talk about three, you know, and then, um, you know, I I end up, sometimes when I'm teaching, I, I think, oh God, why did I start this? This is just a nightmare. I'm just, I'm just leading people up the garden path but yeah because you're sort of talking about heaven earth and man and heaven man and earth you know so it's three but it's got two different orders and you know one of them's to do with creation and the other one's to do with you know after creation so more the created world they're very different concepts and again we can just mangle them together you know
1: absolutely yeah um so i guess to move on briefly one of the things i wanted to get to i guess is at ICOM, Wu Yun, Yu Qi or stems and branches is a core part of the curriculum in the third year. I guess it's what ICOM has become known for. I didn't really know much about it before I studied at ICOM myself, but it's become a staple of my own clinic now. And it's probably my favorite part of clinic. I love doing people's charts. I find it quite you know, cathartic, um, but also the patterns that I see with people. And, you know, obviously I remember always being told, don't try and force the chart on the person. Mm -hmm. But when you sit back and look at it and you think, wow, you know, this makes so much sense, or you can put it beside your case history and look at it and go, wow, it blows my mind, but Mm -hmm. often other practitioners or students from other lineages or even my patients ask what it is and I'm stumped to try and explain it to them without going into the heaven earth man thing is there a way that you you can do this to help me <laughs> well you
0: want me to explain it without the heaven earth man thing wow that is going to be hard
1: <laughs> no, you can do it any way you like it's just I end up saying a kind of a sentence and then I kind of end up talking for five minutes and then sort of getting quieter and quieter and then sort of just tail (laughs) off yeah in a sort of running out of steam kind of way
0: (laughs) yeah i know the feeling okay i'll give it a go so um i do have to talk about heaven earth and man
1: okay good um
0: i mean one of the first things that i usually say to um other practitioners who are interested in in what stems and branches is or what we teach as stems and branches, because um, I, you know, I don't think we can say that this is the totality of stems and branches, is that it's a little bit like um, where the five element and um, the six chi system came from. So um, actually, it, it's always surprising to me when I'm teaching uh, our final year students that, you know, I try and kind of make it clear that some of the stuff that I'm talking about, we actually talked about in the first year and the second year. Um, and, that it, you know, it, it's things that you take for granted, but you don't really realise where they come from. So it's kind of useful to say, OK, you know, this is actually the what's behind what we've been taught. So I approach it on the lines of, um, I'm trying to show you the basis of what we've been taught. Um, and I usually say that, you know, this is because I I was trained as a mathematician and um, mathematicians absolutely hate having to swallow things just because they've been told that that's the way it is. They <laughs> want to find out why. So yeah. that that's kind of a good way to get into it.
1: Okay. Yeah? Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. Because I guess... That's exactly how I found, you know, I found when we were in third year and you'd introduced us to stems and branches. And suddenly, I think in first and second year, there were certain concepts we were told, you know, don't dive too deeply into this at the moment. It'll all become clear. It's like the sort of waiting for a punchline or something. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, And it was like that, you know, where you go, oh, wow, this this really is the core of five element acupuncture and so many of the, you know, the, the protocols that people may use in TCM or whatever, but they just don't know why. And for me, I'm very much the same. I can't claim to be a mathematician. Like I think we discussed briefly earlier, but I do need to know how things work. Mm. Um, And I think the most important thing is that, you know, obviously if we're dealing with any philosophical element, there's always going to be different translations or different ways to look at things. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everyone's going to agree. But uh, I think it's important for all of us to try and hold as many, which which might be seemingly conflicting things in our minds to try and make sense of them in different contexts in our own way or in our own practice.
0: Well, Um, I mean, you know, um, there's also that level of boredom I think that if you if you're if you're taught um, in the way that you have to just memorize if you see somebody who's got this then you've got to do this if you see somebody who's got this then you've got to do that then um, I would guess that um, it, at least I would become very very bored very very quickly and I don't think I'd want to be an acupuncturist anymore to be honest so yeah. I like to use my mind a little bit I like to sort of you know have use my mind and my hands not just follow instructions. I'm not. I'm not very good at following people's instructions. And the okay. other thing is that um, Chinese medicine, uh, like, has is such a a layered story. Um, things are not just chucked out at a certain point because we've got this new theory, which makes much more sense. So let's get rid of the previous theory, because blah, blah, blah. They just there's layers upon layers upon layers. And this is, this is difficult, because especially for us Westerners, because we want to, you know, we want to put it in the box, we want, we want to link things together. And we often don't realize that there's like, a massive um, historical time gap between one concept and another, and we're putting them together in the same box. I think that's called teleological thinking, where you just want to kind of like make it all kind of work together in some way. And, you know, it it, it doesn't work like that. So uh, I definitely buy into the idea of understanding different ways of treatment, because different ways of treatment are appropriate to different patients at different times. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. And also the idea of um, really um, trying to, I mean, mostly for the last 20 plus years, what I've tried to do is to try and work my head into trying to think in a similar way to um, the ancient Chinese did or the medieval Chinese, if you want. Because I think if I can think in that way, then I can understand what they've written much better. And then maybe I can be a better practitioner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've been trying to read some of the classics and dip in and out of various chapters and make sense of them. Um, But then when I went to look at a lot of the stuff about stems and branches, particularly um, chapter 72, it wasn't there.
0: No, because um, chapter 72 and 73 were so-called lost chapters. And so historically, they were actually supposedly put back in much later it was maybe in the Tang or the song dynasty something like that and they aren't necessarily um what they originally had originally they only had because they were lost in inverted commas uh-huh. then um they only had the titles and i think they were sort of rewritten by somebody and then stuffed back in there so unsure decided it was probably wasn't worth translating them because they don't have uh, the seal of approval
1: I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, because I think weird. I found a Henry Liu copy. And then there was the, the knee copy, which is less of a translation, like we discussed, I think, yeah. more of an interpretation. But I guess that's, that's going to happen with anything you're reading in English, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, is it translation? Or is it translation plus opinion? And, you know, of yeah. course, you can put your opinion in, but you just need to be clear about what which bit is your opinion so that, you know, people who read it don't take that as being the translation.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm.
0: And yeah, there is definitely a Henry Lou translation of chapters 72 and 73. But I mean, to be honest, I haven't really spent much time with those because they're not part of the Stems and Branches chapters, even mm. though, you know, because of the fact that they've been put in later. And, and the, the corpus of the Stems and Branches chapters is um, Suwen 66 to 71 and then 74. And those were all placed. In interpolated by Wang Bing, so you know anything that's kind of after that, I tend to uh, tend to ignore it because I'm, I'm, you know, and there's this kind of like strange textual history for chapters seventy two and seventy three, so I feel a bit nervous about them. Don't really want to go there, to be honest. Really? Okay,
1: fair <laughs> enough, you know, because I think um, I read those. Well, when I say I read them, I uh, I think for my um, dissertation, I was reading through all, a lot of those chapters, and then more recently, I've been reading, I think Nanjing's, Nanjing Nanjing thirty three. Mm-hmm. Which was uh, very much about the curse cycle. I can't exactly remember the count mm. because it's um it's quite a short chapter, but but yeah, it's really interesting to get into.
0: I think the Nanjing is fascinating actually, to be honest. Um, and and the curse cycle is really interesting because uh, you know, I always assumed in my teleological way that um, that of course once they had five phases or five elements or whatever, that that the Shang cycle came before the curse cycle. but actually the curse cycle is the one that historically was first um, talked about and the oh, shun really? cycle came quite a lot later yeah weird isn't
1: it oh i didn't know that at mm. all wow Gosh. yeah and
0: it was to do with um dynastic succession so they were okay. talking about you know this this guy he he was a because he was a i don't know um, he, you know, he wore black and, you know, he did kind of watery things or whatever. And so then the next one had to be, um, wearing yellow and doing earthy things because the earth controls the water and so on and so forth. It's not the right order. I'm sorry, but you know, that was the idea.
1: Wow. Okay. Gosh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Cause you do see the curse cycle a lot in, um, using stem points and that
0: kind well, of thing. Well, I mean, the whole relationship of the stems is completely um, related to uh, curse cycle relationships, actually. So that makes total sense. You know?
1: OK, yeah, yeah. Mm. So in terms of stems and branches, we're, we're we're talking about the relationship between heaven and earth and space and time, aren't we? But I'm always careful to say this because from what I've seen, it, it can be contextual, which is a word I hate using because it, it can be um, a sort of a get out of jail free clause. But When you're talking about the stems, they're heavenly. And when you're talking about the branches, they're earthly. And the stems are at the level of five and the branches are at the level of six. But then if you were to talk about things like the five heavenly palaces or the planets, that's a level of heaven. But then the stems would be at the level of earth and then the elements, the five elements or the Zang Fu would be at the level of man. So (laughs) it's something that always gets me a little bit.
0: Um, I think I think it's quite useful for me. I I find it really helpful to think about um, about resonance. Mm-hmm. So, um which which is right up your street, Ben, I would have thought, with your musical background. This is cool. surely, you know, correct me if I get this all wrong and I use the wrong words. <laughs> okay. Um so I'm I'm, you know, in in the heavens, meaning the outer heavens, like the cosmos and what we call space, yeah? yeah. Then we have the planets and the stars, and there's an underlying understand understanding or sort of assumption in Chinese thought, in Chinese philosophy, in Chinese thought generally. that um, that the heavens and the earth and everything around humans follows a particular order, um, an order, a principle, and that, order and principle is to do with numbers. This is that Li Chi Shu thing that we've talked oh, about yeah. before. Yeah. We so yeah. you know it's that kind of level of three where you've got Li, which is like the the heavenly principle, or it's like the graining pattern of the universe, or you know, like the the lines in the jade or in the wood that tells you how to carve it to bring out the best of it. Something like that maybe. And Shu just means numbers. So there's a fundamental understanding that you know the universe moves with number and principle
1: okay yeah I was going to ask you about Li Chi Shu. I used to get a little bit confused because when we talk about yin and yang we have the laws of yin and yang how we might perceive them in clinic I guess they keep us on track in terms of yang can transform into yin and uh, yang controls yin, yin supports yang all these kind of things but then we have uh, Li Chi Shu. we talk about it's the order that defines yin and yang um, and or, or, or how they move should I say Is there sort of a crossover there or are they very separate?
0: Um, I think concept. Li Chi Shu is a is a very fundamental uh, concept. It's basically a fundamental understanding that everything in our cosmos, being be it in the heavens, being on Earth, on our Earth, and in our bodies, everything moves, everything transforms, everything happens following number and principle. And that's why, then, when you look at the laws of Yin and Yang, then you're you know, of course, they're also going to follow these. Um, these number and principle sort of laws, if you want. It's just a it's like another manifestation of Li Chi Shu
1: if you want, okay. so we're talking maybe different levels as such, yeah. yeah for instance, yeah? Okay.
0: So having having sort of accepted the idea that there's this kind of heavenly order or that the heaven initiates things and then the earth responds to this order, so we have this idea about things that are in heaven that start stuff off and things that are on earth that are kind of responding to what the heaven does, that's back to the two hexagrams or trigrams, qian heaven, and Kun, earth, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one initiates and the other one responds, you know, and then you get into all that kind of like terrible transformation where, you know, Heaven is man and man is active, and uh, earth is female and female the passive. Yeah, I hate that. So I'm not going to go there on that one.
1: Okay, no worries.
0: (laughs) Just (laughs) want to say I'm not doing that one. Okay. So so if if I were to talk about what's happening in the heavens, and I'm talking, you know, out there in space, we've got planets and we've got stars, we've got the outer cosmos, and they follow some kind of um, order and principle. There's like the, you know, the cosmic um, breath or. The, the 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 universal spark or the big bang or you know however you want to translate it I don't really mind but basically there is a constant movement of contraction and expansion and contraction and expansion and this this is qualified in the in when when they talk about um the heavenly stems in these um Yun Yu chi chapters of the uh huang di um, they talk about it, the move, these movements, this, this universal cosmic breath or whatever you want to call it as the music uh, or the, the frequencies or the vibration of the planets
1: oh right or maybe
0: not the planets but some kind of probably it was probably the visible planets so you have these five different visible planets and they're um, which we also have in you know normal um, astronomy you know they're they're the visible planets there's five of them and there's this idea that you know they can be expanding or they can be contractive or they can be excess or deficient or you know there's all sorts of different terms for them but basically because there's five of them and then they've got Two different states, more or less, or however you want to call it, um, active or passive or whatever, that gives you these kind of 10 stem qualities. And they're called the 10 heavenly stems. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And those 10 stem qualities, um, that same vibration, that same frequency, that same resonance, um, because, you know, Everything moves with number and principle. There's this kind of thing that whatever happens in the heavens also, we are reflection humans are like a a physical energetic manifestation of what happens in space and in time, if you want. So mm-hmm. those heavenly stems, those 10 different qualities, those 10 different types of breath work, whatever you want to call them, vibration resonance, they can be, they're mapped inside our body as the 10 Zhang Fu organs which is everything except um, the, the so-called pericardium and uh, Sanjiao, the three-heater.
1: That's right, because that's post-heavenly.
0: Yeah, because, uh, you know, things to do in heaven, things to do with stems. Um, this heavenly order is to do with what happens before you're born. And they're very much linked to, um, you know, the, the, the cycle of the development of the 10 organs um, when you're in the womb and all that kind of stuff.
1: So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you to Deborah Wolf for joining me today. Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Deborah, which is also available now. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about Deborah and her Brighton-based clinic, Anahata, check out anahatahealth.co.uk. For questions about today's episode, of which I'm sure there are many, I'd love to hear from you. So get in touch: podcast at acupuncture-westlondon.com. Lastly, don't forget to check out the show notes at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. To keep up to date with all of our upcoming episodes, sign up to our podcast newsletter. By doing so, you'll get your very own copy of my brand new ebook Yin and Yang check out acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free ebook. See you next time.